What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. We post all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content over there on Twitter. Of course, it all goes out at SportsEthos.com under the MLB tab. But if you're hanging out on Twitter, you can go check it out for all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes. I share out my daily uh, news and notes uh, Twitter threads over on that feed as well as my own. So please do go check it out. Make sure you guys are following, specifically at Ethos Fantasy BB. We've got a lot of new followers over there recently. I just want to keep the train rolling and keep up uh, the follower pace because right now we're looking like we're going to reach 1,000 over there pretty soon uh, the way that it's going. So I appreciate all your support. Also over on the podcast side, guys. Uh, we've had really a tremendous couple of months here, and I want to say thank you off the top. I usually mention it at the end, but I do also know that a lot of people zone out midway through podcasts. They don't always make it through to the end. I want to say thank you off the top here for all the support, all the downloads and subscribers that we've had uh, over the last, specifically really the last few weeks, but going back over the entire year that we've been doing this, uh, it really means a lot, and your support is the reason why this show is able to keep going. So thank you guys there. We are going to talk, obviously, about all the biggest fantasy baseball news today. We're going to look back on yesterday. We're going to talk about a couple of two-star pitchers. This is coming out a little bit later in the day on Monday than I did want. I uh, had some things I was tied up with. So we're going to talk about a couple of two-star pitchers. We're going to look specifically at what's going tomorrow, but also today in case you guys are listening uh, before first pitch is able to go off and you are in your daily changes leagues. Because based on the polling I did on Twitter a week ago, about a week ago now, most of you guys are playing in daily changes leagues, and there's usually not so much of a waiver system. for. It depends on your league, of course, but a lot of the time you can just go and add somebody in at 8.58 if there's a 9 o'clock start time or a 9.05 start time, whatever. You don't really have the limitations that you do in a lot of the industry leagues and a lot of different leagues. It really depends, of course, uh, but a lot of the time you are able to just go and add somebody in there. Based on what I was looking at, uh, it's about an even split between that between waivers and fab. So if you're listening today, we'll also have a couple of those two-star pitchers to talk about. We're also going to talk about the top players so far this season. I tweeted it out earlier, but we're going to talk about it here as well. The top 10 players, according to Yahoo's rankings so far through the opening weekend, we're going to talk about them and my thoughts on them. And there's one or two overlaps between that and my notes that I did put out this morning. And if you guys aren't following on Twitter, you haven't seen it, uh, I've split up my notes between uh, a pitcher thread and a hitter thread. There is one of each going out these days. I wanted to split it up so I could get out as much as I possibly can. Because the way the threads work on Twitter, once you get past like nine tweets, it starts to look really funky in the timeline and the tweets start coming in out of chronological order and it's it's really weird. So I try to keep it to nine batter threat nine batter tweets and nine hitter tweets as opposed to last year where I was just doing like nine total. So we're gonna start it off with the pitchers today. We're gonna start off with a rather rough one and that's Chris Bassett. It was awful. It was it was terrible. I couldn't I couldn't watch the whole thing yesterday. Uh, the Blue Jays got killed by St. Louis. It was it was a terrible debut for Chris Bassett who's Velocity has been down, and he was telling us throughout the spring, he was saying it to reporters and to the team and everybody that he was keeping the velocity down on purpose to ramp himself up. It was still down yesterday, and he allowed nine earned runs on 10 hits over three and a third innings pitched, four home runs, no strikeouts for Chris Bassett. Now, the thing is, there's nothing you can do about it at this point. Where you bait, where you bought into him, which was probably about pick 150, depending on your league, but that's generally about where he was going. You can't be doing anything, right? If you try and sell them right now, 
then you're going to get nothing back for him. Nobody is going to give you face value. They're going to probably take, you know, close to 50% of the value off just based on this start. People drastically change their perception of players based on small sample sizes, especially early in the season. Nobody's buying into Chris Bassett right now if you're trying to sell him. If you are trying to buy him, I don't know if I'd recommend that either because even though the price would probably be fairly low, one, I don't think the trade would be accepted, but I'm also not so much as on board as I would have been uh, a little bit, you know, even just yesterday or the day before. It's it's not a great sign that the velocity is still down. I, I'm still thinking it's going to be fine eventually, but I'm it's not to the point where I would want to go out and buy him. If you can get him for like the last player on your roster, somebody who is you know a, a nobody essentially, somebody that you don't think is going to be too much of a mainstay on your team. Let's call it somebody in like the two fifty to three hundred kind of player range. If you throw out a low ball offer and it gets accepted, sure, no no problem there. But I wouldn't be tripping over myself to go and get Chris Bassett uh, onto my team at this point. And, of course, you're not dropping him, right? Because there is still a long season ahead. Like I said, we're prone to overreacting early on in the year. But Chris Bassett still has a track record. He's been one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball going back to last about five years now. You're, you know what you're getting, about a, a 3 to 3.5 ERA, solid, reasonable numbers across the board. You know, we saw it in Oakland. We saw it last year in New York that he is, he is still – a very, very solid pitcher who is well worthy of a, of, a, of a spot on your team. So there's no thought in dropping him. I wouldn't be doing anything other than just standing pat, holding him, and hoping for the best as we continue on. But right now, uh, just stand pat on Chris Bassett. Now, Seth Lugo had a very strong outing. Uh, he allowed one earned run over seven innings. He struck out seven. I'm not really sold on Seth Lugo as a 12-team guy. Like he, he is again, he's a play in deeper leagues. He's like a 15-team guy for sure. I'm just not sure about how much we can really trust him on a consistent basis. Like I think he's a streamable guy. You get you get decent Ks, you get good team context, but he's not a, a must roster player for me. There was a lot of people. I just want to take a look here and see how many people were adding him up, but. Quite a few people went and grabbed Seth Lugo today. 2,600 people on Yahoo. He went up to 11% rostered. I, you know, I think he's fine to stream in certain situations, but he's not somebody that I would be running and dropping. You know, uh, somebody a lot more, you know, somebody that you spent a lot more to get. I should say in terms of draft capital for Seth Lugo, just based on one good outing. I, I'm not really there yet. It was a bad team that he faced in Colorado, so let's let's give it another time around. Uh, I'm not sure who his next start is against. I believe, though, it will come against Atlanta, but I could be wrong there because they're using the six starters. Uh, let me just quickly take a look at their schedule because it is a little bit strange now because I think they're going to use six starters, but not 100% sure if that's going to be the case. I think it'll be Atlanta, but it might be the Mets. And either way, uh, at Atlanta or at the Mets, he's not going to be somebody that I would be going out of my way to go and grab the stream for that situation. So it really does depend on the, on the case, on the opportunity, uh, depending on where he's pitching for Seth Lugo. So he's not somebody to go and add as of right now. Uh, Graham Ashcraft got the victory against the Pirates. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. Very nice. Good to see his strikeout numbers go back up because it's been like I didn't realize how bad it was really. Um, but he was striking out last year at the Major League level 15% of batters. And it wasn't like the smallest sample size. It was 105 innings. You know, it was it was like let me just make sure I'm you know reading that. Yeah, it's I keep think, I keep reading that and thinking it's wrong. But he only truly he struck out 15 percent of his batters. The major league average is about 22 percent. That was over 19 starts, 105 innings, and he had total 71 strikeouts. That's really really not good. 
But we've seen that kick up so far in spring and in this outing, of course. Now, it was against the Pirates. How much you want to read into that, I'm not too sure. If you want to be saying it's, you know, it's something that he can sustain every single time he goes out there and give you seven innings of one-run ball with good strikeout numbers. I'm not fully bought in. A lot of people are buying into Graham Ashcraft. He's up to 67% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Actually, I should check that because from the time I, I you know, typed that out, it might actually have gone up a little bit. Let's take a look. Graham Ashcraft, no, it's still 67%. You're still He's still somebody that you can add, and I wouldn't be against it necessarily, but I'm also, again, not tripping over myself to go and grab him. There's a lot to think about when you're starting him. A young pitcher at Great American Ballpark, it's always going to have its downside. Not sure if these Ks are going to be able to stick consistently. We'll see if he can do it against good ball clubs. As of right now, though, uh, I think he's like a back-end guy in 12-teamers. I wouldn't be bothering with him in a 10-teamer. Uh, my home team is on Yahoo, or my home league, I should say, is on Yahoo, a uh, 10-teamer. He is rostered. I don't know that he is must-roster. He's like right on the fringe for me. Like I think he's back-end 12-teamer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it in a 10-teamer personally, uh, which is what that home league is. Someone, someone added him up, but... I'm just not really convinced in that ballpark. A lot of people are very much in on Lodolo and Green and Ashcraft. I'm pretty in on Lodolo because he's already proven that he can go out there and do it over the course of a full season. In that park with the other two, I'm I'm not really, really there yet on either Graham Ashcraft or Hunter Green. I mean, they're rosterable players, yes, specifically Green and Lodolo, um, but Ashcraft really right on the fringe there for me. A lot of people probably disagree. Um, but I'm just not really ready to buy in fully just yet. Uh, Johnny Brito, I, th- I think it's Brito. It might be Brito. I actually didn't see this start, so I didn't hear how it was pronounced over the broadcast. Uh, but five innings, he got the victory over San Francisco. Six strikeouts, no earned runs. Did a great job, but he was also optioned uh, to AAA on Sunday. He's just somebody to keep in the back pocket. Obviously, you're dropping him for now. 19% rostered still over on Yahoo. He's a drop for now. But when he does get called back up, Considering the Yankees' injuries to their pitchers, I'm sure he'll be back up at some point. You know, it depends what happens with Severino and Rodon, and, you know, we, we don't have Montes, so we'll have to see. Um, but I'm expecting he'll be called back up, and I would be inclined to think about streaming him. Of course, it does depend on the matchup. If we're in core, I'm not looking at the Yankee schedule, but if it's Coors Field or something, no, or if it's against the Dodgers or, you know, Blue Jays or whatever, probably not. But if we're looking at a decent enough matchup like we had yesterday against San Francisco, then I could see Brito, Brito, um, sorry for mis- mispronouncing it. I'm not sure, but I could see him uh, having some decent streamer value when he is called up again. Noah Syndergaard. I was pretty out on Noah Syndergaard coming into the year. I wasn't too sure if we we're going to see any kind of you know fastball velocity come back up or, or anything like that. But he looked very good. One run ball over six innings. He had a 32% CSW and a 16% swinging strike rate. He got a lot of swings and misses. Maybe he is coming back. And, you know, I'm willing to bet on the potential that he could be back. You know, not to the same degree that maybe he was in his younger days as a Met. But that we could see a very good version of Noah Syndergaard still, you know. Could the Dodgers revitalize him the way that they did Tyler Anderson last season? The way that they have been known to do over the last several years with with multiple different players? I think it's possible. And I'm willing to buy into it. You know, I'm willing to to go and grab Syndergaard as a back-end guy in my rotation just in case he is able to sustain this. Arizona actually has a pretty decent lineup. You know, it depends on who you're asking. But I, in my opinion, Arizona, pretty solid lineup. He was able to shut him out over – or excuse me, allow 
uh, one run over six innings while also striking out six, which was huge because we've seen the strikeout rates for him not look very good for quite some time now. Obviously, he did strike out a lot of batters earlier in his career, but you know, last year, he was striking out just shy of 17% of batters. Uh, it was not there for him at all. If he can keep up what he did yesterday, we're looking at you know roughly a 27% strikeout rate, which is kind of in line with what he did early in his career. Maybe that's shooting for too much, but maybe 25-ish on that team. Uh, I'm willing to take a gamble on Noah Syndergaard. He's only 53% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. I would be adding him up. He was already added up in my home league. But I, I'm kind of upset about it because I think there's a good chance that he is able to have a lot of value this year. I do think that the Tyler Anderson comp is legit. I think we could see him maybe not give you a sub-3 ERA, um, but somewhere in like the 3 to 3-5 neighborhood with decent enough strikeouts and decent enough wins, then I, I could see myself uh, being very interested in Syndergaard. Going at him while you still can, that 53% roster number, I'm guessing it probably won't stick for too long. Mackenzie Gore, he looked really good. Against the Braves, five and a third, one run, picked up the W, and he also had six Ks. Now, I'm not adding him just yet, uh, specifically because he goes into Coors Field this week. I'm not sure which day, but that's, uh, that will be his next time out. Uh, it will be against the Rockies at Coors Field. He's someone to monitor and watch list because we did see last year before he was traded what he is capable of, and that was still at such a young age. But I'm not really ready to buy in just yet. It's a very good sign that he came and did this in Atlanta, against Atlanta, I should say. But I don't know if I'm going to trust him in 12-team leagues just yet. Uh, I, I, I want to see if he can do this a few more times, especially because it's Colorado. Now, if this next start was coming, you know, let's say in Oakland, I would be there. Like I would totally go and jump on it. But because it's one of the worst, if not the worst, stadium context for, for hitters or for pitchers, it's the best for for, uh, for batters. But for a guy like Gore, I'm not sure how great that's really going to play for him. I'm expecting not very well, so we're not going to add him just yet, but somebody for sure to put on the watch list and monitor for now. Mike Clevenger, he had a strong start in Houston. He struck out eight over five innings, picked up the W. His velocity is back up a tick. I think it went from 94-ish. He was averaging, I think, 95 yesterday, and he, I think he was touching about 96. I'm not quite there. I'm not a huge fan overall, but he does get the Pirates later on this week. So, I mean, I'm not fully sold that Clevenger can be a guy all over the place, uh, you know, depending on like on all formats kind of add. Like, he's a guy in 15s, uh, in 12-teamers, I think maybe, maybe he's not a guy for me in tens, maybe 12 teamers, but for sure, everywhere, wherever you're playing, to stream against the Pirates, that's totally reasonable, Whatever, even if it's an eight-team league. Uh, he should be able to go out there and do very well against the Pirates at very least. But in terms of must-roster status, a lot of people like to use that word, that phrase. He's not there. He's not quite there for me. Let's see him do this a few more times. It's a good sign that he did this against Houston, uh, but let's say he gets roughed up against the Pirates, then we're really not going to know what to think exactly. So I'm safe taking a chance against Pittsburgh because of the, the lowly nature of that lineup, but let's just pump the brakes a little bit before we say Mike Clevenger is an ad all over the place. Let me see what he's up gotten to now on Yahoo. 22%. Yeah, I understand people adding him up, but let's just let's just take a breather on that one for just a second. Jared Schuster, uh, he had a really tough debut. I said that he was probably a decent streaming option last week. Honestly, I probably gaffed there because I went back over this weekend and literally right before his start, I was just looking into his numbers. And at the minor league level, 
he was really honestly not that impressive. Like, I think a lot of us, including myself, kind of got fooled a little bit thinking like every Braves prospect that comes up is going to be the second coming. And, you know, it, it backfired here in this case. Uh, he threw, what was it, four and a third. He walked four batters, gave up six hits and five runs, only one strikeout. Now, he was sent back down today. If you added <clears throat> Jared Schuster up, then he's, he's somebody that you got to be dropping right now. He's gone back down to 36% over on Yahoo, but he was up in the 40s. I think <clears throat> I think he got up to 43. I want to say it might have even peaked a little bit higher than that. But he's got to be dropped, right? Even if he does get called back up, there's not so much upside there. Outside of the team context and the fact that we want to buy into the Braves, there's not so much to really look at there, even at the minor league level. Like last season in AAA, he had nine starts. It was uh, 48 innings pitched. He struck out 19% of batters. He walked 8% of batters. That's not great. His FIP at the time, at the level, 562. You know, it kind of bounced around. Like the ERA even was, you know, 425, which is fine. But he's never really stood out that much at any given level. I mean, he was pretty good at AA last year. But once he got promoted, he was really not as good. So I think we might have overshot our expectations here. If you picked him up, uh, then you got to be dropping him up. I picked him up in one league. He's already been dropped. There's there's no need to, to hold on, especially, you know, he was due up to face San Diego uh, next week. And if he did happen to get called back up, uh, there's there's no chance for me, especially against that lineup, considering how he fared. So those are the pitcher notes. Let's talk about some hitters now. Joey Gallo, he had two home runs and drove in four. I'm not there, though. Uh, you know, he's still batting at the bottom of that order. His batting average is still going to be awful i was looking the other day just as, as a laugh i was sitting around with some friends we were having a couple beers over the weekend and we we're looking at zach grinke's batting average for his career and it's like 225 it's higher than joey gallows and you know like i said i was having a couple beers so let me just double check that but yeah gallows career batting average is 200 and zach grinke um let me take a look i think it's i think it's 225 uh, but anyway just a, a side note kind of a funny stat and not not to pick at him but that's kind of going to my point here he doesn't give you any he, he's awful for batting average like he's he's likely to hit sub 200 or maybe around 200 if you're lucky but at that point I don't think it's really worth it just for the potential for good home run total which is likely to be like 25 maybe even 30 home runs but at the bottom of that order you're talking what 60 maybe RBIs to go along with a 200 batting average you're not going to get stolen bases like I I, I, I wouldn't be adding Joey Gallo most people haven't been, I don't think, unless that's changed. But I, 12%, it was like 10% earlier today. A couple home runs, uh, people will start to to take a look at you, especially at this point of the season. But batting 7th every day, uh, he's scheduled to bat 7th later today as well. I, I'm just not there on a Joey Gallo ad just yet. But the next guy up, I am definitely going to be adding wherever I can. If you if you can still get your hands on him, I couldn't in any of my leagues. He was already gone. I didn't get him in fab last night on the NFBC. Fab ran... Uh, last night and I did not they do it once a week if you guys are unfamiliar with their platform and I missed out on Nolan Gorman in a couple leagues where I bet on him uh he hit two home runs he looked really he's looked really strong in the middle of that Cardinals lineup I think he's going to be playing fairly regularly he's been DHing but I think we'll see him you know platoon a little bit around in the infield as well he should get I'm going to say at least 80 percent of the playing time I think he'll play four out of five days roughly uh you know that might change week to week but generally i think we're going to see him play 130 some odd games this year 100 uh, 120 to 130 games he's gonna have a pretty regular role and he's gonna be able to provide solid numbers in, in every category except for stolen bases 
His roster percentage has been shooting up, as as it absolutely should be. Right now, it's up to 36% over in Yahoo. It should be even higher. He's batting 5th, 6th, and 7th in that Cardinals lineup, but that lineup is so deep, it really doesn't matter where you are batting, honestly, but especially because he's in the middle there behind some of the other power bats. I'm really liking Nolan Gorman as an ad, especially with second base eligibility. Pretty thin position to try and fill out. Yoan Moncada, he went three for four yesterday, two doubles and a homer. And the game actually today was an early game for the White Sox, and he hit a double earlier on. Let me see if he's added on to that while I've been talking here. Uh, no, he is one for three today with a double. He's probably a fringe add in 12-team leagues. I'm I'm not a huge Yoan Moncada fan. He's up to 47% rostered at this point. People, people are adding him up. I think there's a lot of hype around him because people are just hoping, you know, they're just praying that something finally happens with Moncada and any whiff of anything will make people buy back in because a few years ago he did have a great season. But we're several years removed from that. He has been pretty piss poor now for, what are we talking, three years, four years at this point. I'm not willing to, you know, throw away everything we did in preseason and everything that we know about Moncada just based on the backing of a, a couple of homers. You know, 2019, he had 25 dingers and 10 stolen bases. He batted 315. and that was a great season. That was also a year where hitting was also a little bit wonky. Outside of that, his career home run high is 17, career run high is 74, and RBI high is 61, and those are over full seasons as well oh, in 2021 and 2018. He's not somebody where I think we're going to see 20-plus homers or really stolen bases. We haven't seen those stolen bases from him since 2019. Since then, we saw him play a full year, albeit the shortened year in 2020, of 52 games, zero stolen bases. 2021, it was three steals. Last year, it was two. You're not really getting much out of Moncada, and that batting average that was you know really nice that one season has never been that nice ever again. His BABIP in 2019 was 406, and his career BABIP has always been very good at 344, but he's a 254 career hitter with the inflated 315 average that he had during that season. I'm not there on Moncada yet. He's in the middle of a pretty good lineup. I can understand the justification if you want to take a, a stab at him. Third base eligible, yes. You know, it's a bad position. But I'm just not really ready to jump back in with both feet on Moncada until he does this for a little while longer. And at that point, it'll probably be too late and I'll probably have missed my chance. But he's just not somebody where I think we need to be prioritizing in 12-team leagues. You know, is he a 15-team league guy? Yes, absolutely. 15-team leagues, especially in the NFBC where you're rostering 450 players. Yes, he is He is somebody who has added probably in most leagues last night over Fab. And if not, then he'll be added up again this week and whatever. He'll, be, he'll get up there in those deeper formats. In a 12-team league, 10-team league, I just don't see Moncada being somebody that you should really be relying on. He's maybe maybe a short-term option if he's hot, but I, I could be wrong. Again, I could be wrong. I, I, I'm far from all-knowing, but Yohan Moncada is not somebody that I'd be dropping an established player for, somebody that you spent good draft capital on yet. Let's wait and see. And again, you might miss out on him, but at the end of the day, the best case scenario is maybe 20 home runs and a 250 average. Maybe, maybe you get up to like 75 RBIs. But at that point, I just don't think you need to, to spend on, on Moncada. Any fun, kind of fab money, personally, I wouldn't. Any kind of waiver priority or any kind of spot in your lineup, he's just not somebody I'd be looking at. 
Mike Zanino, let's move on to Mike Zanino. He went three for three, a couple of doubles and a home run. I, I don't think he's a startable player personally. Yeah, you can argue, yes, like in two catcher, 15-team formats, which I know not a lot of you guys are probably playing. Yeah, that's where he's probably startable. Even there, I don't think that he is a must-roster player. But certainly if you're playing in your 12-team leagues, and your 10-team leagues, there's no need to add Mike Zanino. And people, for the most part, haven't. He's only at 3% rostered. I think he was one or zero uh, yesterday and people of course you know he's had a couple of you know he went one for three uh second game of the year a couple of runs scored then he goes three for three a dinger a couple of runs three rbis people are gonna take a take a chance some people maybe but i just i'm not there for mike zanino we'd have to see him really hit a lot of home runs to be fantasy viable like he was a couple of years back with the awful batting average he's essentially Essentially, another Joey Gallo uh, in terms of the production he's going to give you. With you know, actually, it's probably fairly similar amount of home runs and everything. Uh, maybe some f- fewer number of RBIs and runs, but that's pretty much what he is. He's not a, a one catcher league guy. Maybe back end two catcher league guy, but I'm not even really truly convinced that he's going to be that. So no need to worry about Mike Zanino if the two homer game gave you any temptation of wanting to add him. Adam Duvall. He went three for five after going four for five on Saturday with a couple of home runs. And now he was rostered in 39% of leagues when I sent out that tweet. He's up to 59% now. And I sent out that tweet 16 hours ago. People are very interested in Adam Duvall. You should be too. He is currently the number one player in fantasy. We're going to talk about that later. I guess I shouldn't have spoiled it, but he is to this point of the year, the number one player in fantasy. He's a must roster player, right? He is somebody in the middle of that Red Sox lineup. He's batting fifth in that stadium. Could very easily see him getting back to that 30 home run total, giving you like 90 RBIs. I am really in on adding Duvall in all formats. I think even in a 10 team league, he is somebody that you should be taking a look at. He won't be available for long, already up to 20% in terms of Yahoo roster percentage just in 16 hours. And you might just luck into, like I said, 30 homers, 90 RBIs, maybe even touches 100. Uh, so get in while you can on Adam Duvall. Oscar Colas, Colas, Colas. I'm really not great with these guys until I hear them, hear their names said for, for quite a while. Uh, I was listening to a little bit of the White Sox game earlier today, actually, or watching it, but I didn't actually see his at bat. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's Colas, Col- no, not Colas, Colas, Oscar Colas. But you guys, I think, know who I'm talking about, the outfielder for the White Sox. When I put this up last night, it's interesting to take a look and see how quickly people jump. <clears throat> Only 1% on him after going 2 for 5 yesterday with a stolen base. Now, I think, honestly, he's an add in 12-team leagues. When you consider the team context, yes, very good team. He's not batting high up in the lineup yet, but I think that will change as the year goes on. We could see him bat you know, as high as maybe fifth in that lineup, you know, we'll have to see what happens with Moncada and everything else. But when you look at what he did in the minor leagues, the, pot- the potential for more steals is, is a huge thing because he wasn't stealing a lot of bases in the minor leagues. It was only a couple here and there. Uh, you, honestly, it was really not even bad. It was like one in single A last year, one in double A, one in triple A. He already stole one here in the bigs. And I think when you factor in all the changes with the rules, he might be somebody who can steal more bases than we might be expecting. You know, you're getting great batting average out of him. That's to be expected because at all levels of the minor leagues, always hitting over 300. You know, I think there's more speed than maybe we expect. So I could see five to seven steals, maybe even as as many as 10, considering the environment this year, to go along with maybe 20 dingers and that good batting average. I think he's got to be an add in 12-team leagues. Like, he's maybe more on the fringe than I'm saying. Maybe I'm a little more over-enthusiastic than I should be, but I think he's a 12-team add. I I really do. Go and get yourself Colas while you still can. Colas, 
he is somebody that will not be available for that long. I think the longer that the season plays on, we're going to see him continue to move up the order and continue to impress us. So go and get him while you still can. Trace Thompson, he went 0 for 4. It's cold water on everybody who added him. I'm I'm not interested, right? He went, what is it? What was it? 3 for 4 the day before? Or yeah, it was 3 for 4 with 3 home runs and 8 RBIs. And of course, people are going to be interested in going at him, but that's just not realistic. He's not going to do that. Obviously, he's not going to have that regular playing time. I don't think he didn't play the first two games of the season. We might see him play maybe half the time. The upside is just not there enough for me to go and add Trace Thompson. I think it's going to be a mistake for the people who have. He's 32% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I think there's just too many better options available for him to be a guy that you really look at. Adam Frazier has been off to a really good start as well. He's five for his first eight with a homer and a steal. I just think he's more of a deeper league guy, more of a 15-team league guy. He gives you some batting average, a little bit of speed, maybe low-end double-digit steals. But other than that, at the bottom of the O's lineup, I don't think he's going to be able to do so much for you there. I really am not that interested. Some people have been adding him a little bit. He's up to 20% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I get the eligibility is nice, second and outfield. But again, I think there are just better options out there for you than Adam Frazier. Last guy we're going to talk about here is Trent Grisham. I think he's somebody to watch list for now, and he might even be a back-end guy to add. He had a home run, uh, and... This is somebody we know who is capable of you know decent home run totals and also decent stolen base totals. He can give you 10 and 10. He can give you maybe even closer to 15 and 15 potentially. Uh, and let me take a look at his career high there. Uh, I had it up earlier here. Fifth, 17 homers is the career high and 13 steals. I think he can give you like 15 and 15. Some of the projections, generally they're calling for about that. 15 and 16, 18 and 11, 18 and 10. I think he can give you that. The batting average is not going to be great, but in this lineup, especially when he is batting leadoff, which he's doing, I think, just against right-handed pitching. I need to take a look at the trends, but it's been every other game here. He's been batting leadoff. I think he's a daily change guy. When you see he is batting leadoff, and like I said earlier, a lot of you guys do play daily changes leagues. When he's batting leadoff, you stick him in there at the top of that great lineup. If he's batting eighth, you know, left-handed pitcher or what have you, or he's not in the lineup, then you sit him. No problem. But I think having a leadoff hitter for that Padres team, even if it's only on a part-time basis in a 12-team league, I think that that is valuable. I think that he is somebody that you should definitely consider. He's only 9% rostered right now. I think he's a very sneaky ad, not somebody that's going to get a lot of attention, uh, but somebody who could end up having a ton of value. So go take a look and see if Trent Grisham is available. The odds are he probably is. All right, let's talk now about the top 10 players to this point in the fantasy baseball season. Of course, we are only talking about the first weekend, but let's just see who has performed well to this point. Adam Duvall, number one, like we mentioned earlier, eight of 14 with six runs scored, two homers and eight RBIs. He's batting 571. Ridiculous start so far. He is a must add. Go and get Adam Duvall while you still can. Cedric Mullins, he has been fantastic. I have him in a couple teams. He has been carrying them to this point. Four runs, two homers, seven ribbies, three stolen bases. He's batting 385. He's fantastic. He was a great value, I thought, in draft season. He's somebody that I wish I had more of, but I do have him on a couple teams. He is great. There's not much you can really say uh, about Cedric Mullins. CJ Crone, he has been looking pretty good, and it's been very promising. Like I mentioned earlier in the season, or earlier in the season, Jesus, there's only been four days, really, but I mentioned it after he hit the two homers on opening day. 
Got to see how he performs away from Coors Field to really know how he is going to perform this season overall for fantasy. Because in Coors Field, yes, he's going to be an option. Like Daily Changes League, especially if you have a second first baseman there that you can plug in when he is away. Uh, that, that was my stance, you know, even as recently as a week ago. But he he's looked very good so far through this first series that has been away from home. Uh, even though he was 0 for yesterday, he's been 7 of 15, three dingers, seven ribbies. If he can hit away from home, he's going to be very good. He's not going to be the number three fantasy player, but CJ Crone could end up being a very good bargain where I was actually pretty down on him this season. I had him outside the top 10 first baseman. I was not a big fan. Uh, I think I had him 14 or something, even 15. Uh, not a big fan, but if he can hit away from home, uh, he could be a huge, huge value. Jeffrey Springs at number four. He threw six innings. He got the victory, 12 strikeouts, shutout ball. I believe he had a no-hitter. Yeah, he had a no-hitter going, and they pulled him. I guess it's understandable. You know, uh, 81 pitches, so um, not really any need to push him on opening day. He was fantastic. Not much to say again. He's already rostered everywhere. Well, 95% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I guess there are some shallow leagues where he's not rostered, but uh, he should be every single league. Uh, you might be in one of those random leagues where he is not for whatever reason, a very shallow league, or I'm not even sure why he wouldn't be. Uh, but go ahead and add Jeffrey Springs if you still can. It's probably a very, very, very small percentage of you, but he looked freaking fantastic, and I would want to have a share if I could. I do not have any Jeffrey Springs, uh, but if you are in one of those leagues, go take a look. Number five, like I said, Trace Thompson. We just talked about him. I do not think that he is going to cut it. Yes, he's number five overall right now, but this is not something that's going to last, so no need to do anything with Trace Thompson there. Mitch Garver at number six so far for the Texas Rangers in seven at-bats, four runs scored, two homers, six RBIs. That's a 429 batting average for him. I think that he is more of a two-catcher league guy. I don't think this is really going to stick. The batting average won't be great. Maybe you get some power out of him. Uh, but he's not somebody to worry about in your 12-team leagues. This will fall off pretty soon. Juan Franco, uh, very happy to see him start off the year very well. Seven for his first 11 with a home run and a stolen base, 636 batting average. I'm hoping he can get that preseason prediction uh, that I made. And I honestly want to amend it almost, but I said it was 15 homers, 15 steals, and a 300 batting average for him. I think he could maybe even shoot past that, and especially in terms of steals, we might see what the way everybody's going 20-plus steals from him. It would not shock me. Uh, he's got the one so far uh, through his first three games played. Uh, yeah, it's been three. For a second, I thought it was four games played, but no, they're starting up. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it might be, but at this point, yeah, three games, 11 at-bats, seven hits. Uh, very strong start for Wander Franco. Adam Frazier, we also mentioned him. He's five for his first eight, a homer and a steal. He's just not somebody that I think is going to cut it outside of your deeper leagues. I can understand the appeal, but he's not somebody that I'm going to be going for at this point. If he keeps it up, moves up the batting order, maybe, but I just don't really see the room for that. I do not see the upside and the appeal for Adam Frazier. Brendan Donovan at number nine. feel very good about my take the day before the season started that he should be added absolutely everywhere as somebody who is eligible literally first second third short and in the outfield over on yahoo and i think third uh, second third and in the outfield on espn there was no reason not to add him because of that eligibility also as the leadoff hitter for a great lineup there is no reason not to add him and then you look at the fact that his power has been dramatically increased this season he is somebody where you absolutely need to be going out and getting him uh, when I sent out that tweet a couple days ago, day before the year started, so whatever it was, five days ago, I think he was at 57, 56% rostered. He's now up to 84. There's not much time to go and get yourself Brandon Donovan, but if you can, 
uh, please go and add him to your lineup. There is really no downside there considering all the factors. Like, truly, there is no downside. He's going to provide a little bit of value everywhere. Maybe not so many steals, but you'll get a couple. And everything else is going to be taken care of for you, especially if this power comes through. We could see very, very easily double-digit homers for Brendan Donovan. So see if he's available. See if you can go add him up still. And you might be uh, looking at somebody who's a top 100 player by the end of the season. I know he's top 10 right now. But I think realistically, we could say top 100 player is within the realm of possibility for Brendan Donovan and maybe even more. Garrett Cole is at number 10 after his opening day performance. Six innings, one victory. One victory. Listen, I'm just reading the stat off there. Uh, six innings, he got the victory, 11 strikeouts, and he did not allow a run. He was great. He is still Garrett Cole. Like He was my number three starting pitcher coming into the season. Obviously, I maybe more down on him than I should have been. Uh, having Shane McClanahan number two, but Shane McClanahan looked very good in his first start as well. I think that she, uh, the, Cole is obviously as safe as you probably could have gone in the first couple of rounds there. I was a little bit worried, and I still am a little bit worried about how he performed down the stretch because we have seen him kind of falter these last couple of years down the stretch for your head-to-head leagues. He has not been the greatest, but you know he's still Garrett Cole. He's still going to give you probably close to 250 strikeouts with with very solid ratios and good win uh, potential on that team. So Garrett Cole, number 10 fantasy player overall so far to start the season. Uh, it's good to see at least so far that he is returning a uh, pretty solid value for those of you who drafted him in the first round, because likely that's where you had to draft him in the first or the second round. Uh, but so far, so good for Garrett Cole. Let's take a look at a couple of two star pitchers now. Now, some of these guys, like I mentioned, I record a little bit earlier today, or excuse me, a little bit later today than I wanted to, but we're still going to talk about some of these options. Some of these guys are starting today, some of them starting tomorrow. Uh, Jose Barrios, he's going against uh, Kansas City and Los Angeles. He's starting today. We've got Nestor Cortez also going today, Philly and Baltimore. A lot of these guys are rostered. I take a look at John Gray. Uh, if you can get John Gray, I'm not sure how likely it is, 73% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. But if you're able to get him, uh, the game starts at eight o'clock tonight. The show is gonna, this podcast is gonna come out about six o'clock or so, maybe a little touch after six o'clock. See if you can get John Gray. He's got the two-step with a pretty couple of favorable matchups there against Baltimore and at Chicago. Most of these guys we're looking at are fairly highly rostered. There are a couple of guys that I think are on the lower roster percentage side that are interesting. And one of them is a little bit frightening, and we're gonna. I'm just gonna get to him right here. It's Yusei Kikuchi. I added him up in a few leagues. I added him up over uh, in Fab in a couple of leagues. Now he gets Kansas City and he gets the Angels. I'm a little bit nervous, but I like what we saw in spring for the most part. Outside of the walks, I think that there's a small chance we can see him regain the form that he had early in the 2021. Was it 2021 or 2020? No, it would have been 2021 when he was the All Star. I'm actually mixing that up now in my head if it was 2021 or I think I believe it was 2021 was his all-star season. Yeah, it was 2021. Last year was not his all-star season. What am I talking about? No. (laughs) No, Joseph. Last year was certainly not Yusei Kikuchi's all-star season. Um, 2021 was, and he looked very good at the start of it. I think we could possibly see him regain some semblance of that in terms of the strikeouts, at least, you know, even like 28-ish percent strikeout rate for him, which is very good. I think he's capable of that. Good team context. Pretty good matchups. we got to see how good the Angels are going to be this year. But certainly uh, against Kansas City tomorrow, I think, is a very interesting one to take a look at. Cutter Crawford, I think, is also interesting. He gets Pittsburgh and Detroit this week. 
Now he's somebody where he's not rostered in many leagues at all. We're talking 3% over in Yahoo. And again, this is going to be, if you want to take a chance on him, you can add him up like right as this is coming out. Again, my apologies for the show coming out later than I anticipated. But, you know, versus Pittsburgh at Detroit, very good matchups. Cutter Crawford is somebody that you should definitely take a look at here uh, in terms of two-star pitchers for this week. A couple of other ones who might be interested in Kyle Bradish at Texas versus the Yankees. It's been a lot of hype around Kyle Bradish. I'm personally not really a huge fan of that one. He's 9% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Some people have added him up, but I think that for the most part, you're probably pretty okay to stay away from Kyle Bradish. Uh, I might be wrong. Uh, some people are very in on him. Some people moved him up quite a bit in their rankings. I moved him up a little bit in spring training, but he's still not somebody that I would really want to be trusting in these matchups uh, at Texas and versus New York. Not the greatest week for two-star pitchers when Yusei Kikuchi is the guy that you're primarily targeting in your fab. But anyway, he was the guy that I went for. I think he's somebody that is the most interesting in terms of the two-star guys that are readily available for you anyway because there's a lot of guys who are making two starts that are just – you're not going to be able to get them at this point, uh, you know, Nestor Cortez and whatnot, guys who are not going to be available in your leagues. I'm going to take a look at some of tomorrow's starting pitchers as well right now. Again, there's not so many that I'm going to be really that interested in, in streaming here. Hayden Wesnaski uh, for the White Sox, he kind of sticks out. I'm very happy that he made the team. And now it's not a good matchup, particularly in Cincinnati against the Reds. But, you know, you got to be able to pitch in that division in Cincinnati if he's going to be able to cut it. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to, to stream him, but he's definitely somebody to watch for sure. And I think that he is a potential uh, potential streaming target anyway. Let me take a look at Yahoo. 59% rostered. I'm surprised it's actually up that high. He's a little iffy uh, in terms of starting in Cincinnati, but I did like what I saw from him. So he's, he's somebody to consider for tomorrow. Uh, Kenta Maeda going into Miami. We'll have to see how he fares against the Marlins. He hasn't pitched since 2021. I drafted him in a couple places. Uh, I am not starting him in one of my 12-teamers. I'm starting him in one 15-team league. I think that he is kind of an iffy streamer in 12-teamers with daily change. Of course, those are weekly changes leagues, so it's a little bit more complicated. In a daily change league, 12-teamer, I think that he makes for a very fine streamer against the Marlins. That's pretty much it. Nick Pavetta's kind of iffy against the Pirates at home. I'm not a huge Nick Pavetta fan, but I, I, you know, some people obviously, people always go back to the Nick Pavetta well for some reason. We always think he can do it. Only up to 9% rostered, but uh, I, know, I, I don't know. He's somebody where maybe he does well because of the matchup, and he, at times he can look really good, but overall not somebody I'd really recommend. Of course, uh, a lot of people are adding up Dylan Dodd as well. But it's very, very risky uh, going into St. Louis against the Cardinals. I, I'm not personally there. Again, let me just double-check here because percentages are changing all the time. But he's up to 11% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I just don't want to really trust anybody when they're going into St. Louis. Uh, but a, a young guy like Dylan Dodd making his first start, I, I'm not very optimistic that we're going to see so much. Again, I think we kind of overestimated the prospect hype for both Schuster and Dodd just because of the organization that they came out of. Neither really is coming from a you know huge uh, background prospect pedigree-wise. So um, very risky, especially against the Cardinals. But a lot of people, again, only up to 11%, but that's pretty much all streamers uh, for adding in Mason Dodd. Or not Mason Dodd, either. Dylan Dodd. There's somebody on Twitter, Mason Dodd. I'm not sure. Somebody in the sports world who I see their tweets, and I always get, I get that mixed up. But Dylan Dodd. 
Uh, he is the pitcher for the Braves. I'm not really there, though, uh, on a stream for tomorrow. But, guys, that's going to wrap it up for me. Uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging out. I can take any questions you guys have over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. You guys also, please be checking out Ethos Fantasy BB. we got articles coming out there every day, these podcasts coming out every day, and tons of stuff going on uh, to keep you guys occupied and entertained in terms of fantasy baseball content. Back tomorrow, we have a special guest joining the show. It'll be Ariel Cohen, the creator of the ATC Projection System. We're going to be talking about how to use projections during the season. What changes? You know, we use projections a lot in draft season when you're comparing player A versus player B. I want to talk to him about what changes in his process during the season. How long will it take for him to adjust projections for certain players? And, of course, it is an aggregate system. So, Or his system is an aggregate system, but he is very knowledgeable in terms of how projections work in general. We're going to talk to him about all of those different things, uh, everything regarding projections, but spe- specifically what changes in season, how to use them to pick up players and make trades and you know all that sort of stuff in terms of uh, in-season projections. But, guys... Uh, make sure you're on the lookout for that one by hitting the subscribe button, downloading the pod. Also really helps us out. And, of course, uh, letting us know what you think, leaving a rating and or review if you're listening somewhere that allows that. Of course, certain sites do, certain sites do, uh, certain sites don't. But if you're uh, listening on uh, Apple and Google and Spotify, I believe they are, uh, you're allowed to leave a, a review there. I uh, really appreciate you guys letting us know what you think of the pod. Of course, like I said, we'll be back tomorrow with Ariel Cohen. But until then, have a great night, guys. Take care and cheers. Cheers.